if you will, to that third chapter of Matthew. In just a moment, we'll be looking at just the first three verses. Matthew chapter 3. Stand please, you follow in your translation as I read Matthew chapter 3, starting with the first verse. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Our key verse this morning is this third verse. This is he, talking about John the Baptist, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Would you join me as we pray together once again? Father, we thank you for all the truths of your word. And we pray that you would help us to see just what you have for us this hour. As we look to your word for truth, for guidance, to help us to prepare for Christmas. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. I have to admit that I made a slight change In preparation for the sermon this morning, I was going to go in the direction of being prepared for Christmas by following John's message and his call to repentance and receiving salvation, which would then lead us to make sure that we are prepared for that next advent, the next coming of Christ. There may still be some element of those things, but I felt God leading me in a slightly different direction to look at some of the ways and certainly some of the false ways that we appear to be preparing for Christmas. It's been said that there are three kinds of people in this world. There are those who make things happen. There are those who watch things happen. And then there are those who, after all is said and done, are left wondering what happened. I have to think that when it comes to Christmas and to preparation for Christmas, that there are too many people who fall into one of those three categories. Number one in your outlines today, we cannot make it happen. Many people try very hard to make Christmas happen. They go out, they buy all the presents, they address and send the cards, they set out all the decorations, run the errands, do the baking, do the visiting, and the season is filled with a flurry of activities as they do all the things they're supposed to do to try to make Christmas happen. Christmas isn't Christmas unless they do all the right things. Invariably, these are the people who were reminded of how many days there are until Christmas exclaim, oh, and I'm not ready. I have even heard people, when reminded that Christmas is coming, say, oh, and I dread it. How sad. There was a man on the late news one night just before Christmas, one year being interviewed by a reporter at a shopping mall. And when asked, If he was enjoying the season, his response was a flat-out, no. Then he started describing all the people he had to buy things for and how the stores were sold out and everything was picked over and he couldn't find what he wanted. There was no pleasantness, no caring in his voice, in his mind. He had to buy all of these hard-to-find things for all of these people for only one Christmas, uh, for only one reason, Christmas. That was what he had to do. No joy, no meaning. But then there is that third group of people who are 
left, uh, that second group, excuse me, who are watching things happen. They watch Christmas happening all around them, the sights and the sounds and the decorations and the music, and they're trying to take in all the events of the season, and they try to use all of these things to absorb as much of the Christmas spirit as possible. But then life gets in the way. Because with all of the Christmas events, there are still schedules, there are still obligations and family concerns, and those things that just invariably come up. And these are the people who say, I just don't feel like it's Christmas. Or after December 25th passes, they say, I I just don't feel like I had Christmas. As if Christmas is something that's supposed to happen to us. Each of these groups of people are sincere. And their approach to Christmas, they mean well. And sometimes in it all, God does break through and give them some reminders of what the season is all about. But my biggest fear is that there are too many people who will be like that third group of people who go through all the expected activities year after year and yet are still left wondering what happened. Number two. My suggestion for us is to keep it simple. I'm going to, in just a moment, give you a scripture passage. And I'm going to suggest that this is a Christmas verse, although it doesn't come from Isaiah or one of the other prophecies. It doesn't come from that traditional Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 or any of the other Gospels. And yet I believe that the Apostle Paul captured the essence of Christmas When he said in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It doesn't mention angels or shepherds, Mary or Joseph or that long trip to Bethlehem. There's no star, no Herod. For that matter, there's nothing about a baby in a manger. But that's the Christmas message. The grace of God has appeared that gives salvation to all people. It's been a few years back now. There was a television commercial that showed a man sitting at a breakfast table looking at a bowl of cornflakes. And he says, looks pretty boring to me, pretty ordinary. But then he tastes them. (laughs) And his face brightens up and he says, this is pretty good. I like it. And then you hear the announcer say, and he uses the brand name, he says, Kellogg's Cornflakes. Try them again for the first time. I'm going to challenge us today to not let another Christmas come and go and leave us wondering what happened. Some of you may already have your Christmas decorations out and set up, and that's great, that's wonderful. But let's see. If we can prepare to see Christmas again for the first time. To do that, let's make sure we're seeing what we should be seeing. On one hand, we see crowded malls and stores and shopping centers. We see ads on television for in-store and online purchasing. We see traffic lines getting longer. Lines at all the stores and the post office and the mailing centers getting longer. We see people looking for bargains and shopping carts full of presents. We see lists 
of people to buy for, things to do, things to make or bake, places to go, people to see, all with a December 25th deadline. On the other hand, we see a quiet setting, possibly a cave, at the very least a simple lean-to outside of a busy inn. We see a young, tired, hurting, and frightened girl about to give birth. She believes what God has revealed to her, but yet she also knows what it has been like to receive the stares from people for the last few months. We see a carpenter by trade, a general laborer, no one special, who truth be known still has some questions about all that has happened in their lives. Some of his well-meaning friends tried to talk him into leaving her. He was just trying to quietly live out his faith. And then things started getting hard and even more complicated. Do you see it for the first time? The two pictures conflict with each other and so we come away confused. What are we supposed to see at Christmas? C.S. Lewis put it into perspective for us. When he said, we really celebrate two holidays on December 25th. One we call Xmas and the other we call Christmas. I know it's been said that we give gifts in celebration of, of God's gift to us, and that's true. But I also think that there may well be some validity to what C.S. Lewis said. We really do celebrate two holidays. And so maybe it would help if we separate them and better understand how different they are. Number three, it isn't Xmas. On the Xmas side, we have a central figure, a jolly man in a red suit. On the Christmas side, we also have a central figure, Jesus. On the Xmas side, we have symbols, a decorated tree, jingle bells, reindeer, Frosty the snowman. On the Christmas side, we also have symbols, a manger, shepherds, angels, wise men, a star. All we have to do is just see a picture of a manger, nothing else. Maybe not even be able to see in it on a Christmas card or a poster or a picture somewhere. Just looking at a simple manger, even from a distance, and we know what it means. Xmas. We have presents that, not always, but sometimes break or lose their appeal even before the day is over. On the Christmas side, we have a priceless gift that will last into eternity. There's another reason that we need to separate the two holidays. Grinches can steal Xmas, but Christmas was God's expression of his love for us. Romans 8.39 reminds us that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Grinch of circumstance can rob us of Xmas. If we can't find the gifts we want, if we don't have the money, if we can't go to the right happenings, if we don't feel a part of things, those things can happen, and when they do, we feel like we missed Xmas. If the kids are away, can't make it home for the holidays, 
If we're suffering physically, emotionally, if there's hardship, sorrow, loss, these things are real. And they can and do happen. And when they happen, we feel like it just isn't Xmas. And it's because Xmas depends on circumstances, on people, on presents, and cards and celebrations. And when they're not there, we don't have a very merry Xmas. Celebration of Christmas, though, it comes. And it comes whether there are cards or presents or celebrations or not. Nothing can rob us of those Advent gifts of God, hope and peace and love and joy. Those people that I mentioned earlier who say things like, oh, and I'm not ready for Christmas or I dread it, they're not even talking about Christmas. They're talking about Xmas. They're talking about the pressure, the expense, the materialism of Xmas. Now, hear me well. I'm not against the celebrations and the grandeur of the season. I love it. I'm not against traditions. And I will go ahead and say it, I'm for Xmas. I really am. So much so that I'm not even going to refer to it as Xmas anymore. It's all part of the celebration of Christmas. We don't need to feel bad about including it. We just need to make sure that we see Christmas for what it really is. Not let us pass us by so that when the season is over, we wonder what happened. Number four, in your outlines, see it for what it really is. Look again at that first Christmas. Why didn't the angels announcing the first Christmas hover over those busy streets of Bethlehem? That's where all the people were. And not just the residents of the town, but even more throngs of people from all around had come now because of the census. People that would have never been there were there. The inns were full. The streets were teeming. Why didn't the angels make their announcement to Bethlehem? I think if they had, people would have missed it. They were too busy, too loud, too preoccupied with other things, too absorbed in their own thoughts. So instead, the angels went to the shepherd's on a quiet hillside. And those shepherds were the first ones to receive the message, unto you is born this day in Bethlehem a Savior. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to just be still and quiet and listen for the message that God is real and that He comes to us. Maybe we need to allow him to break through the busyness and the preoccupations to help us see Christmas again for the first time. That night in Bethlehem, the inn was full of weary, displaced travelers. Do you remember what it was like in 2004 when thousands of people were on the highways evacuating our state because hurricanes were approaching. That was the year there were those three lined up out in the Atlantic like a parade, and that parade was coming to central Florida. People were mentally, physically, emotionally drained. It was crowded 
on the highways. There were long lines in restaurants and gas stations. Food and gas and ice were running out. It was expensive eating out. We would much rather have been at home in the Lazy Boy. And then traveling, we saw signs taped to doors and windows of motels even before we got out of the car. No vacancy. Completely aside from that hurricane scenario, people today are still filled with uncertainty, wondering what is coming next. With supply chain shortages and new strains of a viral pandemic that just won't go away. People in Bethlehem had traveled long distances on busy roads, probably dealing with food and water shortages. They were not on vacation. They had additional worries because the reason for it all was that more taxes were going to be levied. The room was full. It was loud. People were probably arguing and haggling. Undoubtedly, there were others who had been turned away from the end, but where could they go? They had to be there. The fortunate ones who had rooms were probably sitting around drinking and complaining about the unfairness of it all to whoever would listen. The room was filled with angerness, bitterness. They didn't want to be there, but they had to for reasons completely out of their control. They were a conquered people. Times were hard, and it was going to get worse. Then the door opens yet another time. And the room falls silent as a man leads a woman inside. They weave their way through the crowd, and as they do, some are able to see her up close. They see her grimace as another pain strikes. She bends over from the pain and the fatigue, and the man stops so that she can lean into him. It's been an unbearably long journey. When she can, they take a few more steps together to a table where the innkeeper has seen them approach. And because of the number of people who easily passed them along the road, Joseph knows the answer before he even asks, but he has to try. He pleads with the innkeeper, please, please help us. For a moment, everyone looked. Maybe some thought about a sister or a daughter back home, but no one said anything. They just returned to their own lives, their own conversations, minding their own business, and the room becomes noisy once again. We look at that inn, and we see a microcosm of our world today. People are busy. People are noisy. People are preoccupied. Some are rebellious. Many are angry, and the prevailing attitude is to just look out for ourselves. The people in that room had no idea they were in the very presence of God to be born, and they missed it. They missed Christmas. Today, every year, God wants to remind us of how much he loves us and how he gave the very gift of himself to us. And many miss it. People at that end needed a message of hope. 
They were an oppressed and conquered people. They were up against circumstances beyond their control. And all they wanted to do was just block out the world a little while longer. And so they drank a little more, talked a little louder, told a few more jokes. Today, in this season of joy and merriment, more people will feel hopeless and depressed than any other time of the year. More alcohol will be consumed this month than any other month of the year. Even with parties and celebrations, more people will put up walls distancing themselves from others and will feel more alone than any other time of the year. In the next three weeks, in what is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, more people of all ages, from children to senior adults, will take their lives than at any other time of the year. The inn was filled with selfishness and indifference and despair and hopelessness, and so is our world today because Christmas comes and Christmas goes and too many people just don't get it. Joseph and Mary began to make their way back through the crowd to the door. The room had become loud once again. By now the pains were coming so close together and were so great she could barely walk. There were tears streaming down her face. Finally, someone, someone approached them. Was it the innkeeper? We don't know. Was it a man or a woman, a youth? We don't know. Maybe it was just someone who cared and had an idea. And in my mind, I see that nameless, faceless person leaning close to Joseph and whispering, There's a place out back. It's where they keep the animals, but at least it'll be warm. And then that person blends back into the crowd, but not before coming the one who helped bring Christmas to the world. My challenge to you today is this. Be that person. Be that person in the story who cares enough to share what Christmas really is with someone else. Now, all of that is just a part of the story that I made up. But the truth of the matter is this. Every one of us has our in of people. Don't think about the worldwide masses. We don't have to go very far to find our in of people who have been convinced No one cares. There are too many people who have the mindset that everyone has their own set of problems and no one has the time or the inclination to care about mine. You can be the source of Advent hope for that person this season. Many of you have children or grandchildren, some of our youth even here today, are going to be with friends during the holidays, either at a party or at the mall or someone's house, encourage your children and grandchildren to be the one person 
who before having that slice of pizza or that burger stops to say a prayer of thanks to God for our Savior. It'll be hard. You can do it. Is it putting on a show? Absolutely not. It is doing what we should do before each and every meal, wherever we are. Moms and dads, you do the same thing. To all of us, you have friends up and down your street, people that you see and wave to all the time who, in one way or another, are just like those people in the inn. Will you be so bold as to find a simple way to help them see Christmas again for the first time? It can be as simple as a phone call inviting some people to our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be a wonderful service. It can be as simple as sending a Christmas card with the message of the birth of Christ on it instead of a snowman or a candy cane. You already bought your cards? Buy some more. What easier way to witness is there? Send someone not on your regular card list a Christmas card telling about the birth of Christ and include a handwritten note telling them what Jesus means to you. It can be taking the time to read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 when you have friends over for a holiday get-together. It can be having a Christmas track in your hand to give to that cashier at the store at the close of a sale. It can be saying Merry Christmas to that cashier when they say Happy Holidays because that store policy. It can be refusing to take that drink when you're at a party saying that that is not the way I want to celebrate the birth of my Savior. A little boy was standing in line with his mother in a busy downtown department store. It was that final rush before Christmas. It was crowded and the lines were backed up at every register. And there was that constant repeating beeping sound of sales being rung up. Music was playing, but no one was really listening. It only added to the noise of the busy store. And in the middle of it all, there was this little boy standing next to his mother holding the string of a helium-filled balloon. Now, you already know what's coming, don't you? Suddenly, there was the sound of a cry as the press of the crowd into the little boy caused him to lose his grip on the string to that balloon. Even people not even close by knew exactly what happened when they heard the cry and then they saw that balloon rising up to the ceiling. One of the store clerks called a janitor and said, I need you to bring a ladder up front and retrieve a balloon. He said, you want me to do what? <laughs> she said, I need you to rescue a balloon. And protesting got him nowhere. Soon there he was, ladder in hand, bringing it right into the middle of the store. People moved out of the way. Some even helped him set up that ladder. And for a moment, everything stopped. Cash registers stopped ringing. People stopped jostling around. Everyone watched as that janitor climbed up to the top of that ladder and reached out and grabbed that string 
for the balloon. Everyone was watching. The crowd was hushed. As he descended the ladder, people left their places in line because they wanted to see the look on that little boy's face when he got his balloon back. And after the janitor tied the string to the little boy's wrist, the boy reached up and hugged his neck. And everyone applauded. And then just as quickly, those cash registers started ringing again and people were back in line waiting their turn, but things were different. People were smiling. People were laughing. Strangers were talking to strangers. Why? Because everyone has a balloon story to tell. Something as simple as a child's balloon brought a reminder of what it means to show love and care when the world is noisy and busy. If we, if we will just prepare to see Christmas again for the first time, we will see God's message of hope. Don't be in that group of people left wondering what happened. Let today be the day that you pledge to say to the world, I know what happened. Let me tell you. Will you commit to sharing what Christmas really is with someone this week? It's not Xmas. It's not winter celebration. It's not just time off from school or work. And it is not happy holidays. Will you help someone prepare for a Merry Christmas this year? That's your homework. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these reminders. And Father, I believe in my heart that you have someone that you want me to speak to this year about Christmas. Lead me to that person. Open the door and help me to be bold enough to walk through it. To help that person prepare to see Christmas again for the first time. How we thank you. How we thank you for your gift to us. A gift that gives us hope. A gift that gives us life abundant and eternal. Help us to share the message of that gift. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment. And as we do so, this is your opportunity to respond in any way that God might be speaking to you regarding your relationship with Him or your relationship with this church. It may be that you have been visiting here for a long time. And maybe it's just time to come and be a part of what God is doing in this place. In any way that God is speaking to your heart, would you listen and would you respond? Stand as we sing.